What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Deer Vein Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, and today we're going to cover uh, e-scouting, which is essentially looking at satellite and topographic maps and scouting from there and seeing what you can find because a lot of us don't have the time or we just didn't take the time to get out and scout before season and now we're looking at new properties, we're looking at new areas and we're going, all right, where do I go? Like I have that same problem. Uh, you know, you go to the place that you've been scouting all summer or something like that and then all of a sudden you realize like, holy cow, this pl- spot's really pressured and I don't want to hunt here because there's already four other guys here. Or you go to a spot that you really liked and you don't find any deer or whatever the reason is you're behind and you want to e-scout and you want to find a new place to hunt or you're just getting started hunting and uh, and you're trying to figure this out. So the first, so that, that's what I wanted to cover today. And the big thing, if you hear me typing in the background, that's just me pulling up. I run Onyx Maps. If you guys don't run Onyx Maps, uh, you should check them out. Great company. They provide public and private land boundaries, satellite maps, and topographic maps. And then they offer a hybrid model, which is what I'm going to kind of cover today because it's a satellite map with the topographic maps overlaid it, overlaid on it. So you can see, you know, where all the vegetation is, plus where all the dips and dives and all that kind of stuff are of you know, the terrain. Because it, it all matters. Uh, different things affect deer movement. Terrain is a big one. Vegetation differences is another big one. So the first thing that I would start with for satellite scouting is finding your piece. Uh, finding your piece of, that you're going to hunt is is tough. I do. I spend a lot of time figuring out, just looking at pieces in general online and trying to figure out if I think they're a good place to hunt or not. You know, I spent, you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out a piece by hunting it over and over and over again because it's five minutes from your house and you really want to learn it. It's close. It's easy to access. But at the same time, there might be a piece 15 minutes or 20 minutes down the road that is a lot easier to e-scout and you can, you just put in the extra, you know, 10 to 15 minute drive and you're going to have much more success because it's an easier piece to pick apart. Some pieces are extremely difficult to e-scout. Like that's just how it is. And uh, this podcast was inspired by a guy by the name of Norm. Thanks Norm for listening. Appreciate it. Reached out to me with a question on a piece of public that he's hunting. And I took a look at it and it's just a giant marsh and it all is very, very similar terrain. It's flat. It's just, you know, thousands or probably roughly, you know, a few hundred acres of just the same type of marsh. So that, and with very few terrain features, very few vegetation changes, and that is just difficult to e-scout. So, uh, and it's difficult to e-scout because you can't see anything. You don't know where the pinch points are, where the funnels are, where the edges are of the terrain, where the different food sources are. There's a lot of things that go into that and why it's difficult. So one of my suggestions that I would say is, well, maybe you don't want to hunt this piece. Maybe you want to hunt a different piece that is actually uh, easier to e-scout and break apart. You know, places, pieces that have like a good mix of agriculture, uh, some tree lines, some marsh, maybe some ridges, some valleys. Like I know that's a lot of like premium, (laughs) it's a lot of premium terrain features. But those are so much easier to break apart. And that's what we're going to kind of cover. So I wanted to start there. So 
to to kind of get back to Norm's thing about like if you're in a spot like essentially a big woods, a huge forest that's kind of flat, doesn't have many terrain features, or it has a little variation in elevation, you know, maybe some slight ridges, some slight dips, things like that. That's going to be that that type of area or a type of area that's just a marsh and has the exact same vegetation all the way through, no big oak islands on it, no small oak islands. It doesn't look like there's any elevation changes. Uh, just giant CRP areas or giant grassy areas. Uh, places like that are going to be harder to pick apart from an e-scouting perspective than a place that has, you know, two ridges with a valley in between and some agriculture on the tops. Like, though, that piece is so much easier for me to pick apart and anybody from a satellite perspective than than that just one homogenous piece of woods. Like, that's just, that becomes... If you're if that's what you're hunting, so if you're hunting the the homogenous piece that's all woods or all marsh or whatever it is, you're gonna want to have a lot of trail cameras in order to figure that out, or you're gonna want to spend a lot of times in the woods, in the, in the woods and have that experience on your side, because there's nothing to really funnel the deer to a specific area. There's no pinch point. There's no uh, pressure coming from this way or pressure coming from that way. There's no immediate food source. You know, if they're just browsing on just greens throughout the marsh, they're not headed to a destination food source where you can start and then base your base your tracks off of. Essentially, what I told Norm was to go to the river and streams that are running through this marsh and check those for crossings. Because the, the general idea is you want to find pinch points. You want to find areas where the deer funnel down to and then and then hunt those areas versus trying to just hunt them sporadically throughout the woods or the marsh. The hardest part to do, that's, or the hardest part to, how do I want to say this? That would be, that would be my best suggestion is to find those pinch points and funnels for where those deer are going to congregate down to one and then spread out. So... If you're looking at those, if you're looking at those areas, you might want to try something else. But if that's all you have to hunt, then you're going to need to spend, like I said, some money on some trail cameras to just figure out what the deer are doing, you know, or uh, do sit have hunting sits or scouting sits where you just sit in an area where you can see a ton and you can start figuring out where the deer are moving and you know you sit in an area and you sit there all night and you don't see any deer next night try a different area next night try a different area and eventually you'll start seeing deer somewhere I don't know where but eventually you'll start seeing them and then you can start going okay that's where I saw them where do I think they came from and where do I think they're going to go back to your maps your satellite maps figure that out and take guesses at it and then go try out those guesses. It's really a trial and error method because you know you might might see them headed, let's just say west to east and they're crossing a river and you think they're headed over here to this specific area. You go over there and they're not actually heading there. They're heading somewhere else. So if they're not heading there, where are they going? And then just kind of figure out, you know, by trial and error where you're going and, and that's gonna teach you more about those areas. Whereas if you're looking so that's the best way is like a lot of observation sits, a lot of time in the field and trail cameras because trail cameras say those deer are crossing a creek and they can go one of five directions. Well, every night you can only hunt one 
of those directions. If you had four other trail cameras, you could cover those other five, other four directions and drop them down. And then, you know, after two weeks, you can go gather that data and figure out, okay, the deer like to use trail number two and trail number four. So those are the two trails that I'm going to hunt. One, three, and five don't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, they just don't have much, much traffic on them. So let's just try these other two and let's see if we can get one there. And that will start helping you put the pieces of the puzzle together. Because in general, deer are habitual and every generation uses roughly the same types of paths, same funnels, same food sources. And once you learn an area and you understand how the deer use it, every generation of deer will generally use it the same. Same bedding areas, same food sources, you know, same, same trails that they're taking because until somebody puts enough pressure on them and in that on those trails or on those food sources and gives them a reason to leave which is essentially danger you know if it's too dangerous they're they're going to continue to use those areas so you see a lot of these guys that are really good at hunting like public land and if you listen to them and they've killed a lot of bucks over the years on these public lands and if you listen to them intently you'll hear them say at some point in time that they've been hunting this piece for years and years and years. There's very few people who just who are capable of just walking onto a piece of public in their first year and going out and shooting a four-year-old deer or a three-and-a-half-year-old deer or a five-and-a-half-year-old deer. Sometimes it's luck and they, and they get it done because there's general general tendencies that you can follow but a lot of them just learn a piece and they just understand over you know five six seven eight years of hunting the same piece over and over they learn how the deer move and then once you figure that out you can you can essentially have a pretty good idea every single year of what's going to happen and that goes for like buck bedding as well i know like the hunting beast uh dan infault talks about that a lot and the same beds that bucks use uh, they'll use those same beds year over year over year so it, the best way i can explain it is if you have the king suite in a hotel like you have the best suite there is in a hotel and that goes to the biggest buck when that biggest buck dies somebody else is going to take his place and go into that king suite you know, there's a reason that that big buck likes to bed in this one specific area, these five specific areas is because they're very safe. And if you're the big dog on the property, you're going to, you're going to bed there. And then all of a sudden the big dog dies. Well, second in command now gets to take that bedding area. And if you can figure out those bedding areas, you can hunt those. And every single year they're going to hold big deer just because those big deer like to use those same beds because they're safe. So that's, that's generally how you're like, how a lot of these really good public land guys do things is they just hunt the same piece, you know, year over year over year and they get that experience. They understand how the deer move through a property and then you're good to go. And that's a huge off tangent. Sorry about that, but that's a huge off tangent of the satellite scouting. So <laughs> that's just me saying, if you have a place that's very homogenous, like a marsh or a big woods or anything, you're going to have to put in a lot of time and experience learn how the deer move it and then you'll understand that piece but again you're going to you're going to spend a lot of time doing that whereas my preference is to find 
though rather than hunt that piece i'm gonna look until i can find a piece that has a lot of different terrain features has good funnels uh has good food sources has good bedding uh, or in travel routes and things like that and then that's where i'm gonna spend my time because it, it's just easier to hunt so when you're looking at a map what i'm talking about so if we're let's pretend we're looking at a marsh and you're looking at a big marsh it's got a river kind of going through it and it's got some oak islands and off to maybe let's just say the far east there's a big wood lot and then after the wood lot there's an ag field you can't hunt the ag field you can hunt the wood lot and you can hunt the whole marsh you can hunt uh on both sides of the river and you can hunt yes you can hunt those oak islands so i'm going to look at that piece and you got to access it from the east so you got to walk through that egg field or around that egg field then the woods right there so early season that woods right there is going to be my primary target i'm going to look for right on the edge of the woods in the marsh and i'm going to uh, look for the big a big oaks that have lots of acorns that's going to be my primary target but that's also going to be the quickest and easiest place for most people to hunt so other people who are on in that property are going to hunt there as well and you might get away with hunting that spot the first night, the second night, the third night, or something like that of season, maybe the first week or two of season. But after that, other people are going to start coming out of the woodwork and that spot's going to kind of get blown up. So the deer won't, what they'll do is they'll just start going in there later and later and later at night. So you may see them, let's say it gets dark at seven, you may see them come in at six. And then, you know, after a couple days in, they're coming in at 630. And then after that, it's 7.15 and now you're not seeing them at all. And they're just staying back in the marsh further. So then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go after those Oak Islands and I'm going to jump back to those Oak Islands and just start at the first one and just work my way out into the marsh. And if it gets, if the pressure gets bad enough, I'm going to bring hip boots or some sort of kayak or waders or something. And I'm going to get across that river and I'm going to hunt the oak islands on the other side and when i get to that river i'm going to look for a deer crossing so rivers act as great pinch points for uh for deer because they they only like to cross in certain areas so i'm going to look for those areas and sometimes you can find them on a satellite map if you zoom in enough especially in marshes if you zoom in enough you can sometimes just find the trails right there and it works, it actually works a lot better than you would think. Like if you look at some of those oak islands in a marsh, you zoom in on that thing as far as you can, you might be able to see trails coming to that, to and from that uh, oak island from the marsh. And then that's most of your scouting right there. Like that's one of my favorite tricks to do is just, if I'm looking at, you know, five, six different oak islands in a marsh, and I zoom in and check them all out, the one that has the most trails is the one I'm going probably gonna go to first because it's got the most likelihood. It's probably the farthest one back, but at the same time, that's where the deer are gonna be, so that's where you probably gotta go. Uh, I would still start with my original idea just because of laziness. I'd rather not have to go all the way back there unless I want to. I'm still gonna start with my original deal of hunting the woods closest to the egg field first and then working my way back. 
um, as pressure builds up, but that's going to be my strategy. And then getting across that river, that river is going to stop a ton of people. Or if you can even put in, in a boat landing and float down that river and then just hop off and you're already across it, like that's another great way to go too. Uh, and people sometimes don't like boats or using boats like a canoe or something like that because then it tells other people that they're hunting there. But I also like them because it tells other people that you're hunting there. A lot of people like will walk all the way back there and go, oh man, someone's already back here with a canoe. Like, oh, I wish I would have done that. I guess it's not a good spot to go anymore because there's pressure back there. So then they won't go there. Uh, it's, so it, there's a, it's a double-edged sword and it's just like parking in a, in a public land parking lot. I always like to park right in the parking lot so that people know I'm hunting there or somebody's hunting there. And then I'll walk as far as I want from there. Uh, even if I could park closer to my hunting spot, I'm going to park in like the main parking lot and just walk there just because it acts as a little bit of a deterrent for other hunters. Uh, that's just a little strategy of mine. But anyway, back to e-scouting, <laughs> which is another tangent I went off. Uh, that's essentially how I would break down a marsh. And that's what I would look for. I'm looking for those oak islands, those woodlots, and those trails coming in and out of the marsh. And then also sometimes you can find like shallow spots in a river or a stream area. Um, you know, and if it's, if it's a really thick marsh, like everything's, you know, six to whatever, 10 feet tall and it's just nastiness, what you're going to want to do is find areas that have openings, big openings that hopefully you can find something that are 50 yards wide, hundred yards wide. Maybe you can find a little like a feeder stream into that river and that's all kind of open along there. Like it floods up and then, you know, no vegetation really grows there and then it goes back down and you can just sit there and scout. Like that's another great idea is to look for those areas on a satellite map and figure that out. So that would be my marshes strategy. That's how I would attack a marsh. And, um, and that would be like the Oak Island. Like I hunt a marsh that has Oak Islands, woods, egg fields around the marshes. Like the spots that aren't marshes are pretty much egg. And you usually have a little buffer of woods in between. And then you got your little island patches around there. So that's what I like to hunt. Uh, if you're hunting, let's just say like farm fields and you got wood lots with tree lines and you just got a bunch of egg around what i'm going to look for is those wood lots that are larger in size um and have maybe some terrain features to them or maybe the wood lot that i'm hunting that i want to hunt out of isn't even on the public piece that i can hunt maybe it's over on a piece of private and I just hope the deer bed there and they're coming out to these ag fields or the CRP or whatever it is to feed at night and I can catch them going between. But essentially, if you're hunting like ag type setups, you're going to want to look for those pinch points, which is essentially tree lines. Like tree lines are, are great little dips and valleys. You know, if they have, um, what do they call retainage ponds or retaining ponds, those can provide great bedding bedding areas for deer they can because it's always grass in there kind of you'll have a pond down below so they have a water source and they'll usually bed right up against the like the corn or the soybeans or whatever because then if if somebody does come in you know they can just bust out straight into the corn or straight into the soybeans and they can almost always see you coming because they're laying in tall grass and they can just see across they're gonna bed like kind of on the lip of that 
uh, lip of that retainage pond and then just break off into the corn or the woods or the soybeans, wherever they want to go as their escape route if they see somebody coming in. So one of the other pieces there uh, for the egg is like tree lines. That's always a great funnel. Uh, deer would rather stay closer to a tree line than further away from it. So if you got a big wood lot and then a tree line that runs out between, let's just say some grass or some CRP or maybe some yellow soybeans and they're, and then there's a corn field on the other side and they're trying to go to that corn, like they're going to stay pretty close to that tree line that connects everything. It's usually a fence line as well, but they just like that sense of cover. They like that sense of being hidden and where they can just like hop the fence and be gone or whatever it is. So those are the pinch points that I'm kind of looking for on the egg field side of things, if that's what, if that's what you're hunting. Uh, the other side, the next piece is like ridges and valleys. So if you're hunting in an area that has a lot of big ridges and valleys that drop down and then there's water or stream down there and then it comes back up another ridge and you got all these different terrain features going on, that those are great spots to hunt like by far too and they can provide a lot of uh when you're looking at them from a satellite image you want that's when you're really going to need the topo topographic map because what you're looking for there are, are points in that on that ridge so if the ridge comes to a point and then like heavily drops off deer really like to bed not right on the point but around the edges of that point so and that's just because of escape routes. Like they'll bed so that the wind is coming off the top of the hill and then it's coming at their back and then they'll be able to see down all down below them. And that, that allows them to just be, you know, have the wind coming at their back. They can smell anything coming up from behind them and being able to see down everywhere. They can see anything coming up at them. And that's just a general rule of thumb for deer bedding. That's generally how they like to bed. They want to be able to uh, be able to smell any sort of threat and also see threats. So if you're hunting those ridges, those points are great. And a lot of times the deer will bed, uh, like I said, on either side of the points, but then it's roughly about two thirds to three quarters of the way up the hill. A lot of people think they like bed right on top or they want to hunt right on top. And in reality, you want to hunt a little bit down. You don't want to be right on the top of that unless you, unless there's like a big acorn or there's a food source up top and you think they're going to come up from the bottom and come feed up in there, then that's fine. But if you're just hunting them like as they're walking along this ridgeline or you think they're going to be walking along this ridgeline or maybe it's the pre-rut or the rut and they're running the ridgeline looking for does, like then you're going to want to be in the woods. I don't, I won't ever suggest being right on the very top of any of these ridges unless, like I said, there's a food source there that the deer are coming to a, a reason, a destination reason. So that's like points. Otherwise on those ridges, you're looking like, like I said, two thirds of three quarters of the way up. And the reason I talk about betting a lot is because that's, where you're going to see the most of your, the majority of your deer, uh, just the, you know, you either hunt them outside of their bed or you hunt them at a destination food source or the trails in between. And if you're not having luck at the destination food source, or you don't know where that is, then you're going to need to get 
you can't figure out where the trails in between are either because you don't know where they're going. So then you're going to need to find out where their bedding is. And if you're, if you don't know how to find the bedding, uh, I did a podcast on this before I touched on it a little bit. It's wherever you jump deer. If you, if you always walk an area and you jump deer here, that's bedding. So when you're looking at these satellite maps from above, from above, you're following these ridge lines. You're looking at these ridge lines. You're looking for. Uh, I like to look for gaps in the woods along the ridge so that you can see a long ways. Or you're looking for more mature trees. So the younger trees and brush and stuff like that. What I would suggest is you know go to a piece that you know and check that out and then you'll get a reference for what the younger brush is versus what good older trees look like. And I've looked at enough maps, I can just kind of tell what's older and what's younger. But uh, if you can get to an open area along the ridge, so you could almost like sit up on the top, uh, like three quarters of the way up and look down the whole way, and then you can see more that way. Uh, And you can understand if the deer are moving at a lower elevation or even a higher elevation whatever that is, or if you can find areas that have like the more mature trees, that's what I'm, that's what I'm also looking for. And because the more mature trees you have, uh, it's not about like the food there. It's about, it's about being able to see again. So more mature trees have less undergrowth. The, the, the canopy, traps out light and it picks up all the light so that all the brush and the weeds and things down below can't grow as well. So if you can get set up in those, you can see a lot longer distances and you're in the woods versus um, hunting a new growth area where all the the trees are fairly small uh, and deer like to bed in those areas, but you can't really see very far because it's like a jungle in there because everything's, you know, four feet to, or like three feet to eight feet tall. And you're like, man, I hope I just see something. I'll probably hear it, but I don't know if I'll even see it. So, and the, one of the best scenarios you can get in is where that new growth hits the old growth. So if you're looking at a satellite map and you can tell like maybe there's a property line or something like that and it's newer growth on one side of the property line and you can tell it's like small shrubby, like kind of nastiness that's a great kind of bedding area and deer like to bed right on the edge of that sometimes in it um, all around it and then if you have an area that's more mature has more mature trees bigger trees in it then hunt that right on the edge of that shorter stuff and a lot of times those deer will bed in the shorter stuff uh, the stuff that provides more cover and then they'll get up and they'll expose themselves in that more mature woods uh, where there's less underbrush and you can see them better so that's my suggestion for, for those ridges is is don't sit all the way up top. Don't sit all the way on the bottom. The bottom's cool. Don't get me wrong. Like I really enjoy just sitting in a bottom like along a stream or something like that because you can see a lot. Uh, you can hear, you hear the stream going the whole time. There's probably trails crossing somewhere along that stream and you can set up on those. But I just really haven't had much luck uh, unless I'm, uh, unless it's the rut and deer are really crossing those ridges from one ridge to another and they're dropping down in the valley crossing the creek and then running up the other ridge uh, to look for does otherwise i haven't had much luck in that regard because i've just noticed that a lot of deer if they're on let's just say you know a north ridge they're staying on that north ridge during the day and they'll cross those openings for sure but they'll do it at night 
or they'll cross those egg fields or those cow pastures or whatever, but they'll most likely do it at night unless it's the pre-rutter rut and they're looking for some hot does or looking for some other bedding areas or they want to go fight somebody or something like that. So, you know, when you're going along those ridges, I'm just trying to run this through in my head what I'm looking at if I'm looking at a satellite map. Uh, I'm looking along those ridges and I'm looking for those points. I'm looking for those ditches as well. So ditches are great little spots too because you might get a point that comes out and then it comes back and forms a ditch and that ditch is going to have uh, water in it. Not it's When it rains really hard, it's going to like wash out. So that's going to be a great way to get up to the top of that hill because there's probably going to be it's probably going to be like a dry stream bed. And that's a great place to get up the hill. It's also if you get to the top and you find a bunch of like fallen over trees or something like that, that could could potentially be a great place for deer to bed. Uh, cuz if that if the wind's blowing up the hill, it's going to get captured, quote unquote, by that ditch and send that wind right up to the top. And a, a buck or does or whatever, like they like to bet on the tops of those because that wind gets captured and just shoots right up to them. So they know what's going on in the valley or what crossed that ditch um, all the time because that wind's going up towards them. And if, if that's in your area, you know, always try to access those ditches when the wind's blowing downwind or downhill and blowing down towards you in that ditch and vice versa if you're coming in from the top you want that wind blowing in your face so that's always a big one like of course you always want the wind in your face all the time because deer like regardless like you're in my opinion you're human i don't really care how much scent control you do you're still human and you're gonna smell like a human that's my personal opinion on all that kind of stuff and especially if you're hunting public land, like 99% of the time, you're going to sweat going into that place. So you're going to stink anyway. So I just have given up completely on scent control because I just, I sweat so much. I smell, I just know it. So I just play the wind. Uh, but anyway, looking at those ridges, you got the points that you're looking at. You got the ditches that you're looking at. Um, we kind of covered the streams. Like if you're going to sit down in the bottom or that's the only place you got to hunt, uh, look for those crossings and hunt there rather than just kind of sitting sporadically throughout the bottom. Uh, and then another good thing that I always like to do is if I'm going into a spot and I haven't, I don't know what it's going to look like when I get there. I've never been there and I'm going in for the first time. I'm going to mark out on satellite maps. So again, I use Onyx maps. I'm going to mark out probably depending on how big the ridge is and everything, anywhere from three to, I, I don't know, 10 tree stand spots. And I'm gonna check them until I find one that goes, this looks good and I'm gonna sit there. And I usually like to do them in a line. So say the ridge goes uh, north to south and I got a south wind, so it's blowing, blowing from the south to the north. I'm gonna start at the northernmost point I can and work my way south so the wind's always in my face and I'm going to stay along, say there's a field on the top, on the very top of this ridge. I'm gonna kind of walk along that field edge unless I have to drop into the ridge, but I'm gonna walk along that field edge until I find an area where the deer are coming out of the woods and into the field. So there's usually good sized trails that'll ha that deer like to use and they'll just come out of the woods and into the field. And once I find that, 
then I'm going to drop in to the woods and I'm going to hunt 30 yards into that woods on that ridge. And hopefully, you know, I'm going to just check those with my, and cross-reference them with the tree stands that I put on there from Onyx Maps, those waypoints, and just see where I'm at, see where I'm going. And maybe, you know, oh, wow, okay, so tree stand location number two looks pretty good, but tree stand location number four, which I haven't seen yet, looks pretty pretty similar and it looks a little bit better. So I'm gonna go keep exploring a tree stand location number four. Okay, it's not that great. I'm gonna back up and go to tree stand number two and just hunt there. You know, that's kind of my, I like to just check those areas and I am, I'm more of an explorer and adventure than most like, and it gets me in trouble sometimes too because I, I go too deep and I shouldn't go as deep as I should into the woods then all of a sudden I gotta back out and now like the deer are gonna tr- cross my scent trail done that a few times, you know, and I just, it it bites me in the butt. But at the same time, then I learned that piece. I learned how that piece shook out. And then next time I go there, I know, Hey, don't go over here. That's not a good spot. Otherwise I'm always wondering, I'm sitting there like, man, should I have gone 50 yards further, a hundred yards further? I don't, I don't know. I'm always wondering that. So, um, I like to just, I like to explore that. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, but you know, I have, I have serious FOMO, which is fear of missing out. So I always want, want to check that anyway. So you're running these <laughs> back to e-scouting again. So you're running these ridge lines and you're finding these ditches. And if the ridge is really congruent, like say it just seems like, you know, there aren't many ditches, there aren't any points. You got to look for those finer ditches. There are ditches and there are points along that ridge regardless, but they're going to be much less obvious. And that goes for the same with those marshes and uh, the big woods that I was talking about earlier. Like they look homogenous. They look like the same thing throughout. There are differences there. You just have to find them. They're much finer. They're not as drastic and as, and as standout-ish as some of these other spots that you're hunting. And that that's what makes a piece harder to hunt and harder to learn is when those finer points are much less obvious. So, you know, you could have a point that juts out 50 yards on a ridge and it's like, oh, there's a point, cool, I'm gonna go hunt that. But if there are no points like that, maybe a point is just a five yard jut out. Because if there's deer there and you get out there and there's tracks and there's sign, then they're gonna find those little finer points and that's where they're gonna be. And you might not be able to obviously see them from a satellite image, but once you get out there and you jump a deer in that area, you're gonna zoom in on that satellite image and be like, ah, oh, I see why it was here because this is a very small point. And then you can cross-reference that with other very small or fine points along that ridge line and be able to start picking out spots like, oh, there's one, oh, there's one, oh, there's a really small ditch here, that's probably gonna hold something too. And just start figuring that out. So that's probably one of my better uh, pieces of advice there is just, you know, find those, if you can't find the big points, find the fine ones and, and see what you can do there. So those are ridges, valleys, covered valleys, covered ridges, marshes, I look for the Oak Islands. And in general, so like if you're, the other thing about e-scouting is if you're looking at maps, like there's a piece that I scouted earlier this year and it's like 7,000 acres. So I was looking at it and it's like, where do you even go? 
you know, when it's that big, how do you even start to break it apart? And that's where I start by working on very, if that's, if that's where you're at, say you're looking at this, at this piece and you're like, man, this is a huge like national forest or whatever it is. I don't even know where to begin. You want to start looking for those really obvious terrain features, changes, um, vegetation changes, and just like obvious points. Oh, um, saddles. So let me, uh, let me jump back real quick. When you're hunting ridges, people like to talk about saddles. Um, a lot of people don't know what those are. And it'd be like if the ridge is running west to east and you got a point that juts out to the south, and in that point, you got like a little top and then it dips down, like right along the ridge, it like kind of peaks out and then it dips down again and then it peaks out again at the end of that point. So more south in between those two little peaks is what people would call a saddle. And those saddles are great. Like deer really like those saddles and they're great places for, you know, uh, food sources. So oaks or maples to grow or apple trees and things like that. And then deer like them because it's kind of a natural funnel. If you think about it, two, two little points or peaks that top out and then a low spot in between the deer don't have to go all the way up and over those little peaks. They can just go through that saddle. And those saddles are where you're going to find a bunch of different, uh, a bunch, you're probably going to find sign. I like to hunt those saddles. If I'm hunting public, like that's always a, a piece that I look for when I'm doing that. But anyway, you're breaking down a 7,000 acre piece. I'm going to be looking for those terrain features to the, the topographic elevation changes and the vegetation changes. And then I'm also going to f- figure out where the access is. Like I'm going to start with, I'm actually probably going to start with access where can I get to that other people can't or where's a long walk or where's a long, you know, canoe paddle or something like that. That's where I'm going to start. And then I'm going to go, okay, so I found an area that's a longer walk, a longer canoe paddle. It does that area have either topographic changes, you know, changes in elevation with ridges and valleys, or does it have, uh, vegetation changes. So are there CRP fields? Are there agriculture fields? Are there, does it go from, you know, mature woods to new growth woods? Are there big differences that I can find easily and then hunt those? Because that's where you're going to find your deer edges, terrain changes, things like that. That's where deer like to be. And that's where you're going to find, uh, that's where you're going to find the most amount of activity in general. And that's like what you can do from satellite scouting. It's easy to find those those areas versus, you know, just looking at a big, you know, a big woods and just going, I don't know where to go. So I'm going to break that 7,000 acres down and I'm going to find those, you know, few hundred acre areas that I think look good based on those topographic or vegetation changes. And then I'm going to get out and scout. And that's, that's what's difficult at this point in time because it's already season and people don't, it's people are already hunting. So what I would suggest is scout hunt. Uh, if you like throw your throw, if you're a saddle hunting, throw your saddle on your back. If you're tree stand hunting, throw your tree stand on your back, get all your gear ready and say it doesn't get dark till seven. So you want to be set up by about four thirty five o'clock for your evening sit. Try to get out there at one o'clock and just go walking. 
and just go check, like I said, drop a bunch of tree standpoints and go check these areas. And you might stumble into stuff right away like, oh yes, this looks great, I'm just gonna sit here. Or you might not and you might might make it to your last tree standpoint and be like, man, I didn't find anything good. And then you, know, you can just set up wherever or you can just bail and head out of there because you didn't find anything good, so why waste you know, the time? Um, you know, that's a personal decision. If you think you're going to waste your time versus if you think, you know, you're going to see something and that's a confidence thing as well. So that's always up in the air, but like, it's good. Like I, I enjoy scout hunting because once, especially in like mid to later October, once the leaves start falling and you can start really seeing where everything lays out and how everything lays out, scout hunting is nice because it's always a surprise to the deer that you're there. The deer just have no idea that anybody's ever been there because you've never been there. So maybe other people haven't been there this year and you're just going in blind and you set up and maybe, and you're probably going to catch the deer by surprise doing that. But at the same time, you cover ground and you get to understand if this spot's good or not. Cause I mean, if you're breaking down a huge chunk of land, like there's a lot of different places to hunt. So I want to spend my time where I'm the most confident and where I find the most sign. And I am not like perfect at finding this stuff based on satellite maps. There's plenty of times where I go, man, this looks really good. And I go in there and look and it's not, it's terrible. And I would rather just keep moving on rather than waste my time in an area. And that's one thing I think a lot of people do is they like get in an area and they're like, man, I want to hunt this piece and learn this piece well. And they get in there and there's just not that many deer there. And that happens like that's totally possible that that's the case you know you might have you know a very low deer density number there and you know a mile away you might have a very high deer density number just because of the way the terrain lays out and the food sources and the amount of pressure and things like that i i don't know but i would highly suggest that you go out and you scout hunt those areas and just make sure that it's good before you go invest a ton of time into it and go check, like, you know, go check those areas because you might go check an acre, like, again, breaking down the 7,000 acres, you might go check region one, whatever you want to call it, and you might rank it like a seven out of 10 on deer movement, but you might get to region three and you might rank that a 10 out of 10 and then you're going to spend all your time at region three when you originally thought you were going to spend most of your time on region one. You know, there's, <laughs> there's so many different ways to go about this. But that's what I do at least. And I like to scout on, I check everything, I see what's there. If I have confidence in it, confidence in it, um, I'm gonna stick around. If I don't have confidence, I'm gonna keep moving. And it is 100% possible too, and I've done it before where I scout an area and it's like, all right, this is the best spot of this piece of public land. And it's like, I think it's pretty good. And it turns out it's not. Like I've spent plenty of time hunting areas that aren't very good. And I'm just trying to make them work and make them be good and it just doesn't happen. So I found it more valuable and more worth my time that if I walk an area and I'm like, you know what? I don't really have a lot of confidence in this. I'm out and I just go to a different piece of public land. And that's that's what I do. And even if it means driving that extra five, 10, 15, even 30 minutes, I'm gonna do that because Say if I'm only hunting weekends, like an extra 30 minute drive is nothing when you're on, when you, if you're only hunting weekends, you know, you get like 30 minutes is, you know, there's 
and back is an hour total. But if it means you're actually going to have pretty high confidence and high uh, odds of killing a deer, then I'm going to spend that extra time because I just don't, I don't have the, I don't have the luxury of hunting during the week and really figuring out a piece. I need to have confidence that says, Hey hon, I'm going to leave you for five, six hours on a Sunday. Uh, I want to know that I'm going to see deer, you know, or I'm going to, uh, if I'm leaving my son, you know, with the babysitter or whatever, I want to have confidence that I'm going to see him. So I like to scout and hunt a lot to make sure that like scout hunt, I like to scout a lot. Just, just give me confidence. So I'm going to break down that piece and really look around for it. I'm sorry for rambling there. I didn't really mean to, but that's kind of my philosophy on that, on how I'm going to do that. So when you're looking, yeah. So if you're looking at those big satellite maps, break down these big pieces into different sections, go scout hunt them and just keep moving until you get confidence and you understand, wow, there's a lot of sign here. And coming up here in mid-October, you're gonna start seeing scrapes. And that is a huge indicator of if deer are there or not. Um, if you're walking an area and you got a ton of, uh, what do I wanna say? And you see no scrapes, there's probably not that many deer there in reality, because, or if there's not that many bucks there at least. Because bucks like scrapes, they make scrapes, and odds are scrapes are a great indicator of buck activity in an area. So if you're walking a new area and you can't find anything, you can't find any scrapes, you know, I'm going to keep moving. Um, you might choose to stay. Other people might choose to stay, but that's just me, and, and I'm going to keep moving on until I find an area that has a bunch of scrapes. Because that's the more scrapes you have, the more activity, the more competition you're going to have, the more bucks are going to be on their feet and more aggressive and the higher your odds of running into them is going to be. That's kind of my philosophy again and that's what I look for. Rubs are good, but they're not as great of an indicator as scrapes are. If there's a ton of rubs in area, there's probably a scrape there too. Um, but if there's not that many rubs, there's not that many scrapes, I'm moving on. So that's the big areas. If you're in a small area, you know, you could treat a bunch of small pieces. Say you're only hunting a piece that's 40 acres or something like that. You know, a couple hunts in there, just pick a couple spots, a couple hunts in there will really get you figuring out if that piece is good or not. And if it's good, you know, I would spend a Saturday and a Sunday night there on 40 acres. If you see deer, like cool, stay there. If you don't, move on to the next piece and move on to the next piece because you know, you're going to waste your time trying to make a piece successful and it's just not possible. Like you can't will a spot to be good. You can't look at it and be there and be like, man, this looks so good. I just want it to be good. That's not how it works. <laughs> you got to just keep moving until you find areas that hold deer. And I'm not saying two sits is going to hundred percent tell you if deer are there or not, because you might sit two evenings and it's a morning area, you know, and you want to hunt there in the mornings. Uh, you just never know. So that's one of the reasons I really like trail cameras. If I'm hunting like a 40, I'm going to drop, you know, I'll hunt it twice and I'll drop a camera on there for, you know, a couple weeks and go check it out and see, see how it, see how it goes. You know, maybe I hunted it two evenings, like I said, and they're all moving through there in the morning. Maybe all the movement in that area is nocturnal. And then I'm just kind of screwed in the early season and I got to wait until the pre-rut or the rut until they're going to move through there during the day. Um, moving back and forth because a lot of those areas that are nocturnal it usually means 
that they're not bedding areas and they're kind of just travel corridors. And if they're a travel corridor and they're bedding in other areas, you're going to have a harder time catching them in the early season like it is right now versus late October, early November, mid-November when they're rutting and they're going to run back and forth. Because if you're hunting a piece, like I said, that's just a travel corridor, like bucks will run during the day from bedding area to bedding area to bedding area. That's what they're going to do. They're going to keep checking those bedding areas until they find a hot doe. And if you get on a travel corridor or a travel area where those bucks are going to try to run back and forth, that's going to be a great spot during the rut. And, and that could be the case if you're hunting just like a 40 or even a 20 acre or anything like that, anything smaller than 40, that could be the case for that area. And again, it's, it's hard, especially if it's, 20 acre piece and they're betting on it, it's hard to get in there and get set up without bumping them out of there too. I mean, that's, that's a problem in itself. Uh, but if they're there, that's great. If they're not, like I said, keep moving. And you know, the other thing is that after you learn some of these areas, you can, what stuff looks like on a satellite map and then go exploring it in person. And you can understand like what, brush looks like versus embedding areas look like and what you know undergrowth and low you know four to six foot stuff that's just and i'm not the greatest woodsman ever i'll tell you that like that's why i can't think of names of things um but if you got areas that are just like kind of i call them little hell holes <laughs> that are just like super thick and nasty you don't want to go in them at all that's probably going to hold deer and once you get out there and you start scouting and you figure out the areas that are going to hold deer and what they look like on a satellite map versus what like mature timber looks like on a satellite map, you'll be able to start picking that apart. So one of the biggest things about e-scouting is it's an it's an art and it's a skill. You're going to you're going to get better better at it every time you start using it. But one of the biggest things that I do is I always 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 after I hunt I go back and look at the satellite map and try to understand if I saw a deer, where did they come from? Where did they come from and where were they going to? And how does that look on a satellite map and why? Why were they doing that? What was the area? What did that look like? What did that brushy area look like that they're, that they're coming from? And where were they headed? Is that mature timber? Are they going out to an ag field? Are they going out to a swamp? Are they coming from a swamp? Like, how are they using that piece and cross-referencing that to learn more about what it looks like on a satellite map is a huge piece of my, uh, I guess, learning curve and how I'm getting better at this every single time is just because I'm always looking at it and always trying to understand it more. I'm never stopped learning, I'm always scouting, I'm always trying to learn more about what stuff looks like. So, that's kind of my whole piece on satellite scouting. Um, I, you know, I, I know it wasn't very extremely detailed because the best way to do that is if you really have questions on stuff and you really are, are interested in something uh, and you don't know the answer, just do what Norm did, which is just shoot me an, an email or find me on Instagram or Facebook at DeerVane, D-E-E-R-V-A-N-E. And just hit me up and say, hey, man, here's my piece. What would you do here? I'm trying to figure this out. This is my first year hunting, second year hunting, whatever, third year. And I just, I can't figure it out. You know, what would you do? And maybe like, maybe what I suggest you've already done and it doesn't work. And then, you know, maybe you need to move on to a new piece and start there. Maybe, you know, we come up with some sort of solution together. 
I don't know, but every different, every situation's different and has its own nuances to it. And sometimes, you know, you're only you 50 yards off or 100 yards off and you're just not close enough and you just need to, an extra little piece of guidance or an extra little bit of help to figure that piece out. And that's, you know, I'd love to help you guys out and, and, and may, hopefully put you guys on some deer via satellite maps. But like I said, you're only going to get better at it by doing it. You know, you got to you gotta get out there and you got to scout and you got to hunt and then you got to cross-reference it against the map that you looked at previously and just keep learning on what things look like. But I hope that helped you guys out with marshes, ridges, you know, the funnels, going, uh, figure out, figuring out river crossings or stream crossings um, and just kind of understanding a little bit about how I use satellite maps and... And hopefully that helps. If you guys have any questions, please hit me up. Um, I do, I kind of wing some of these a little bit more than I should. But at the same time, there's just so much information to cover. It's hard to cover it all. And I can't answer everybody's questions in, you know, what's going on in my brain. I need to hear from you so that I can, I can kind of figure that, figure that out and then, and then put it out there. Because some things I think like are just intuitive to me because I've been doing it for 10 years now or like, and they're not intuitive to you. You know, one guy asked me earlier, you know, do you leave your trail cameras out during season? Oh yeah, you bet, man. I leave them out all the time because I'm not, I'm never done scouting. And I always want to understand how deer use a property. And every few weeks during season, deer change up their, what they're doing, you know, from October 1st to right now, October 1st to October 20th, deer are kind of on a food food to bedding schedule. October 15th to, you know, November 1st, they're in a pre-rut where they're hitting more scrapes. And I'm talking bucks specifically. They're hitting more scrapes. They're making more rubs. They're checking does. And then you got the rut where they're really just checking does and that's all they're doing. They're not really hitting scrapes much at all. They're not really doing rubs much. They're just looking for does. And then after that, you got post rut where they're you know, back to food and water. They're just trying to regain all the weight that they lost over the last month, just chasing around does. And then you got late season again, where they're trying different food sources and that's all they're doing is just food. So deer use piece of deer use a piece of property, piece of property different every three weeks during season. So having trail cameras out during season is, is vital to understanding how they, how they use it and what's going happen what's going on because a a really good rut spot is probably a terrible just terrible early season spot you know if you're in there on november 10th last year and you saw all sorts of crazy deer and you go back there on october 1st or october 2nd you're probably not going to see anything because they use that piece of property different and you got to change up your strategies throughout the season to match what the deer are doing so like I always leave trail cameras out and that's intuitive. That's just what I think. Like I just understand that. And other people like clearly, I mean, I didn't know that 10 years ago, but I know it now. And it's just something that I think of naturally versus, and I don't think to tell that on these podcasts or on my Instagram videos or anything like that. Cause it's just natural to me and it's not natural to you guys. So the best way I can answer these stuff is just straight up, ask me questions and I'll do my best to help you. Uh, cause Overall, you know, the reason I do all this is because I want deer numbers are falling, hunter numbers are falling. And to me, 
like a lot of people can get into hunting and get started like you can get your hunting certification but after a couple years of being unsuccessful it's really tough to keep going i mean i was unsuccessful for a bunch of years and it's tough to keep going but once you become successful and you kill your first doe you kill your first buck whatever it is then you start to figure it out and then you stay in hunting longer that's my opinion and and i'm trying to do this like i want people to hunt i want this is my passion. I want my kids to hunt. I want my family to hunt. I want everybody around me to hunt. I think it's a great, a great resource, a great renewable resource for everybody. And it's a better way to get food to me than to go to the grocery store and buy, you know, your hormone injected beef, whatever it is. So I just think it's the hunter numbers are falling and I'm trying to help people be more successful so that they stay hunters and they stay helpful and they can get their own clean food. Like that's my whole spiel on why I'm doing this. So again, you guys got questions, you guys need help, whatever it is, I'll do my best to get to you. I do have, you know, a regular nine to five. I have my job. I have a son. I have my wife. I have volleyball games. I have soccer games. I have all sorts of things to do, but I'll do my best to get to you as soon as I can and hopefully help you guys be a little bit more successful. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you liked it, hook me up with a follow, subscribe. I would appreciate a review. I don't think I've gotten any yet. I've gotten about 100 and some plays on these guys, almost 200 plays. I haven't gotten a review yet, so if you do have the time, I'd really appreciate a review. Even if it sucks, just give me the five star and tell me it sucks. I appreciate that. (laughs) But uh, that's it. Again, follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. And... uh, Thanks, guys. Have a good one.